0: All right, we are on a week two of our series. We're talking about the Holy Spirit here. We're, we're, the series is called Playing With Fire. Um, one of the best things about Grace Church is the fact that we have so many people from different backgrounds. And, uh, and, you know, I think we have people here who have lots of experience with the Holy Spirit. Anybody? A church that just went crazy. You guys were like, you know, flags, tambourines, speaking gibberish on Sunday. Anybody? Oh, you guys are not willing to raise your hand. (laughs) And then, you know, we have plenty of people here this morning who have the opposite uh, experience. Anybody who's willing to say that? You went to a a church as dry as sandpaper. Anybody? Okay, good. You know, and so what's great about this series is that, uh, you know, with the diversity we have here in the church, it allows us all to kind of learn something new. We're going to take it slow. I've warned everyone we're going to slowly ease into this series. This is week two, but next week... Next week is Pentecost Sunday, okay, 40 days after the resurrection. This is the day in the Scriptures in the book of Acts, chapter 2, where the Spirit falls on the disciples. They go out in the streets, and people think they're drunk. So the good stuff is going to happen next Sunday. (laughs) Those little plastic glasses you guys have, it's going to have the good stuff in it next Sunday, all right? Okay, so... Just kidding. Okay. Um, one thing is very important, though, um, if you have questions, okay, uh, on the last Sunday of the series, we're going to answer any questions you have on the Holy Spirit. So if you look inside your grace notes, there's uh, an insert that says straight talk. If you have any question about the Holy Spirit at all, okay, if you've seen some crazy stuff, if you want to ask me about snake handling, okay, so like, are we supposed to come in here with snakes and just, you know, just get down with it? I mean, if, you, if you have any question at all, okay, um, go ahead and put it in there, um, Frankly, the crazier the question, the more I enjoy it. It's going to be fun for everyone to watch me kind of sweat it out. And so, uh, again, you know, if you have any questions, please put it in there. Uh, With the Heaven Series we just got done with, we had some really terrific questions you guys turned in. I think we had 20 questions that we hit in one Sunday. So if there's any topic you guys might have as many questions, it's got to be the Holy Spirit, okay? So, again, please ask questions. We're going to jump into that next Sunday. Don't miss Pentecost because, again, next Sunday we're talking tongues and baptism. I'm not going to baptize you all and fire because that sounds like it feels good right come on we gotta loosen up a little bit mothers would you like that gift for uh, mother's day a nice relaxing fire bath <laughs> terrific oh, okay so again uh I, I, you know i i would bet no matter what your background is next sunday we will cover things and kind of go into the scriptures and answer the whys Why are they doing this? Why did it come on uh, that day? Why is it important that they're speaking gibberish, if you would? Why, 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 why? We're going to answer the whys that show up in in Acts chapter 2. So uh, no matter what your experience is with the Scriptures, when it comes to the gift of tongues and to the Spirit in general, it should be pretty fun for you guys, okay? But we're not moving on to that yet. We're talking about something different this morning. This morning, we're going to talk about breathing. Breathing. Who here breathes? So this should have something to do with everybody in the room, right? So if I see you sleeping, no excuses, okay? Yeah, I guess Yeah, okay. I see how it's going to go today. All right, let's start with this. Last week, we talked about why don't we play with fire? Why don't we want to engage the Holy Spirit? For those of us who don't really have a background with the Holy Spirit, why do we stay away from it? And really, even more importantly, those of us who have experienced some of the Holy Spirit, why do we even hide from the most important parts of having a relationship with him? And bottom line, we kind of summarize it this way. Um, basically, the Holy Spirit, we don't like a God who can't be tamed. Long-distance relationships are great, right? Right? When you see each other, everything's new and fresh and tingly. It's just so fun. When you're dating, it's great because you get to have a great time. Then you get to go home to your own perfect little space, right? But marriage is different. When that person moves into your life and they start wanting to mess with things and move things, they have their own ideas and opinions about stuff. When you can't get separation from someone, all of a sudden things get real. See, in the scriptures, this God who's up there is far more comfortable than a God who's right here. The idea of marriage, for most of you, (laughs) was much more flowery than what marriage was when you actually woke up a year into it. Agreed? Everyone's like, this is Mother's Day. I ain't agreeing with nothing, right? (laughs) The idea of, of receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior sounds really terrific until he shows up every morning with us and every day, and he has an opinion on everything on our lives, and he wants to be with us and partner with every single thing, and we cannot get separation. The main reason the Holy Spirit is the one, if you would, the the person of the Trinity that we have the biggest issues with is because he's the one who's nearest to us right now. The truth is, if Jesus were still on the earth walking with us, we would treat him the same way that we treat the Holy Spirit. We would love to be around him for a while, And then we'd love to go home, have space, separation, to have our own little life the way we want it to where no one can mess with it or touch it or tell us what to do with it. The scariest thing about the Holy Spirit, the scariest thing about playing with fire, is that he might burn some things down. If we can just keep that fire in the fireplace if you would in your home. If you can just keep that nice little cute little fire we just keep it just to where it makes you warm and it's pretty and it sounds nice and makes the house nice and homey. If you can just keep it confined then it's okay. But the problem with the Holy Spirit is he's not willing to be confined. He's not a not a tameable God. And the problem with the Holy Spirit is that if you are going to play with fire, if you're going to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, you have to be willing to give up control. The biggest reason that every Christian has issues with the Holy Spirit is we are not willing to give up control. Agreed? All right. We'll plant that there. Now, I have some interesting facts for you guys. Now, did you guys know each day you take around 25,000 breaths? That's almost 4,000 gallons of air, that's not the right, there it is, windows down, it is now raining, Uh uh-oh, that's not a note for the sermon, if you have your windows down in your car, all these metaphors Devin's always playing with, There you go, everyone's like, I thought he said the Holy Spirit was fire. Oh, this is going to be a good one. Have mercy. Okay. (laughs) Each day, we all take about 25,000 breaths. That's about 4,000 gallons of air every single day. Think about that. 4,000 gallons of air. Um, Basically, when you go down down the interstate, if you see a water truck, maybe even a gas truck, okay, a fuel truck, they are carrying around 4,000 gallons of liquid. Think about that. That is about how much air you breathe in a single day. We should, scientists say that we should be taking about four to six breaths each minute. Four to six breaths each minute. But the average person in this room takes anywhere from 16 to 20 breaths. Think about that. We are created physically to breathe so deeply that we should be taking about four breaths a minute, but most of you in this room will take four times that. Scientists say that through proper breathing, the average human should get over 90% of their energy and strength through their breathing. But most of us in this room get maybe 10 to 20%. When I first started to to work out with a few guys, is one of the first things I experienced was when the weight would get really heavy, all of a sudden, I would feel it in my chest. And this one guy I was working out with, you know, he would when he would, he's about to lift, he'd slap himself and, you know, it's it's crazy, right? But, like, the one thing he would do is he'd just, you know, and, like, you're just like, this guy is like a caveman, you know, this is crazy, right? And so, like, when he would lay down, you'd see his chest just just puff out, right? And I always just think, what is he doing? He's accessing his strength. 90, over 90% of your energy is supposed to come from breathing. Just think about that for a moment. But because you sip your breath, shallow breathing, we access maybe 10 to 20% of our potential energy. Tai Chi, yoga, Kung Fu, these are all practices that center around core and breathing. The idea that if you can center yourself, if you can be so present, so intentional with your breathing, that you become stronger. And science even backs this up. What's so funky about breathing is that it's something that we all do, but it's something that most of us don't give any thought to. And science also says this. Now, the reasons that we need to be breathing, right, the reasons that we need to understand the right way to breathe is, first of all, physical health. They've traced physical injuries, asthma, and even high blood pressure back to shallow breathing, sipping on air. Think about this. What happens if you stop breathing? If you fall asleep and you stop breathing, what's going to happen to you? You will cease to be with us, right? And yet, this, this, this simple source, if you would, of living, of life, this, this, this thing that we do without even thinking about it that enables us to be alive, we give no thought or care to at all. They say also that mental health is attached to our breathing as well. They say that poor breathing can result in stress, anxiety, and even panic attacks. If you're in this room and you've ever dealt with panic attacks, what is it always associated with? You're breathing, isn't it? When the walls start closing in, when you start to feel the heaviness and the pressure, all of a sudden you can't get enough breath. It doesn't matter how deep you move your chest, you are not able to get enough air into your body and you feel as if you're slipping. And of course, lastly, you know, one of the last reasons we need to understand how to breathe is, of course, is energy. You know, it says that poor breathing robs muscle potential. Meaning, what you're capable of physically, you will never be able to attain to your potential physically until you learn how to breathe properly. Most of us in this room, if I told you to take a deep breath, actually, let's go ahead and do that. Take a deep breath for me, just right now, just deep breath, do it. What rose and fall and fell when you did that? Was it your chest? When, you, when your chest comes out your chest goes back in? We are created physically to breathe through our stomachs, not our chest. But yet, if I were to measure, I'd probably say about 80% of the people I just watched, I saw their chest rise really big. When you see, when you see someone laying down or sick or tired and you're, like, you're not sure if they're breathing, you always look to their what? Their chest, right? Your anatomy, the way that your body is designed, you were designed to breathe through your stomach, through your gut. But yet every one of us in this room, almost every one of us, has somehow learned and trained ourselves to breathe through our chest. We're created to breathe so deeply that four breaths per minute, but yet most of us are are breathing so shallowly that we breathe 16 to 18 times per minute. What in the world is this? Now, let's do a little exercise. I want to teach us how to breathe. Would you guys stand with me? This is not going to be spiritual at all. This is going to be a lot of fun, okay? So just try it with me, okay? We're going to learn how to breathe. (laughs) You're like, well, I've been here for a while. I should know what I'm doing. I know. Okay. Here's the thing. All right, step one. Visualize. Everyone's like, okay, what are you talking about? Okay, here's the thing. The first thing is we have to be aware of where we're breathing to. The first challenge for you is going to be focus When you're breathing, think about drawing air into your belly button. I know it sounds really awkward. Okay, but just think about it. When you're breathing, the idea is we're breathing, we're drawing air into our stomachs. Ooh, the rain's picking up. Holy Spirit's coming. Okay. Second thing, your posture. Stand with your feet about shoulder width. Now, here's the big one, men. Relax your shoulders. Isn't that amazing how many of you guys were tense? In your shoulders naturally. You stand up and you automatically do something, and then, I mean, think about that, right? Next step. We're gonna inhale through our nose. As we do this, I want you guys to put your hand on your stomachs and focus on your stomach. As, we, as you inhale through your nose, I want you to raise your stomach, and then as you exhale, have it go down. What's gonna happen is your stomach's gonna raise, but your chest is not going to move. If you're doing it right, your stomach is raising. Think about this. When most of you breathe, your chest comes out and your stomach goes where? In. We breathe backwards, people. All right, so just try it. Now, I, now I'll try it with you, but I'm, I'm going to put my hand over the microphone so I don't freak you guys all out. Okay, so again, your hand's on your stomach. You're going to breathe in through your nose. Focus on raising your stomach as you, as you breathe in, as you inhale, and pushing it out. Go ahead and try it. Now one more time this time I want you to exhale as slow as possible and then do it again okay exhale when you breathe out breathe out as slow as you can possibly do it and then see what happens to your next breath go ahead and try you guys about to pass out (laughs) I can see your is getting red now now, what happened with that, okay? Now, when you, when you exhale very slow, what happened to your next inhale? It slowed down, didn't it? The moment that you slowed down the way you exhaled, all of a sudden your inhale slows down. All right. You guys can all be seated. We're going to make this spiritual, okay? For all you guys who are like, where's the Bible? Okay. We're going to get there, okay? One of the last things I found that's, that's, that's so interesting about this stuff with the way we breathe, they say that we... We, uh, without knowing it, we pick up on the way that people breathe around us. Um, scientists say that when you walk into a room, if you're there for about five minutes, you will pick up on the breathing patterns. So what happens is, if I walk into a room and if everyone's stressed up, everyone's you know uh, breathing quickly. If I'm just in the room, all of a sudden I'm going to match their breathing patterns. So if I walk into a room with people who are stressed and they're breathing very quickly, in a few minutes I will begin to breathe very quickly. They say it's one of the primary ways that we pick up on stress and anxiety. You ever walk in a room and like you can just feel like it's just tense in the room? What's happening is that your body is naturally picking up in the way everyone else is breathing. Think about that. Is that not absolutely crazy? And so the moment that you walk into a room full of anxiety One of the first ways that you mentally, emotionally start being stressed is because your physical body begins to speed up breathing and begins to take shallow breaths. And it immediately forces you mentally and emotionally to be stressed and anxious. You know, we talk about when we're heavy and we're worried, we talk about heaviness on the shoulders, right? If you would go home and breathe properly for five minutes that heaviness on your shoulders would leave. That heaviness on your chest that some people get when they get worried and anxious, it's because you're you're breathing shallowly. Not your Mother's Day message, right? (laughs) We're going to tie it all in. If you guys have your Bibles, go to Genesis chapter 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 4. Now, Last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit is in the Scriptures very clearly from the Old Testament to the New. His, his functions even are the exact same in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so the first place that we see the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament is with Adam. We see that when Adam is being created, the first um, picture of the Holy Spirit we see as far as being functioning on the earth is he's the one who breathes life into Adam. And interestingly enough, we also see that the first time we see the Holy Spirit in the New Testament is we see the Holy Spirit with Mary, and he's the one who what? Who impregnates Mary, right? You know, everyone's getting weird out now. Let's not talk about that. Okay, but yes, it is in the Bible, right? But we see the Holy Spirit is the one who breathes the first life of Jesus himself onto the earth. Are you seeing this? Okay, And so we see him, he's involved in birthing and bringing life into the first Adam. And in the New Testament, the first time we see the Holy Spirit, he's breathing life into the what? The second Adam, Jesus. And so what happens here is, let's just go ahead and read it, and then I'll break it down. Genesis 2, verse 4. Uh, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, verse 5. Now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, and there was no one to work the ground. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust. There's that name Adam, remember that? His name means dirt bag, dust man, gotcha, Adam. (laughs) He formed him from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now notice this, okay? We don't typically uh, pay much attention to what's going on around the main point. But if you notice, there's no life on the earth. It's formed, the heavens are formed, but there's nothing on the earth. There's no water, there's not any any plants or fauna, it's just dirt and dust. What's What's so important about this to notice is that the first life is us, is Adam. But his life, the first moment that life springs into being on this planet comes directly from the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. Now we understand that this this, this understanding of the Holy Spirit, uh, Ruach, Ruach if you want to know that, it is the Hebrew word for breath. Breath, the Holy, and when you begin to trace the uses of that in the Old Testament, it begins to be used for the Holy Spirit often. In the Old Testament, and it's and it's similar to the word used in the New Testament. So the first thing we see, the first uh, existence of life on this planet, comes from the Holy Spirit being breathed, the very spirit of God, the essence of God Himself being put into man. But what's so crazy about this? In seeing, how you put this, the first example that God gives man of how He is to exist. He gives him this breath. And again, we've established breath is the way we stay alive. The very act of living, of being alive, is supposed to be directly connected to being connected and being with God. For Adam to live, he had to breathe in and breathe out the very spirit of God. And what happens for so many of you in this room is Life is over here. Living, being a human, paying the bills, having a family is over here. And then spiritual things are over here. And these two things never connect. But the way that you were created was that every single thing that you did would flow from being connected with God. Are you seeing it? Now, some of the rabbis in the Old Testament, they, used to, they had this really interesting understanding of the name of God. In the Old Testament, we do not ever see the name of God fully spelled out. Uh, Many different sects of Judaism believed it was too holy to actually say his name. And so the word that we get from that, the, the English translation, Yahweh, right? Now, if you break Yahweh down, stay with me, it'll be fun here. If you break Yahweh down, the syllables sound like this, Yod, He, Va, These rabbis believe that God gave us his name and that his name itself is supposed to mimic the sound of breathing. Yod, hey, va, hey. The idea that every single moment that a human being breathes breath, he is speaking the name of God. This is the way that the ancient Jews understood breath itself. That every breath was holy. Because every breath came from God, went through them, and they sent it right back to God. So every moment of breathing was a holy moment. There was no separation. There was no, I'm going to work and to put my work hat on, and now I'm going to the temple. Every single moment becomes Holy. Because the very act of living, of being alive, of breathing, is directly connected to God. There is no idea of being separated from the presence of God. And of course, this understanding transfers right to the New Testament. In the book of John, the the first moment, the first baptism of the Holy Spirit we see is not at Pentecost. It's with Jesus and His disciples. Before He departs them, He breathes on them. And he says, Re- receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathes on them. Again, a picture hearkening back to what? The Garden of Eden. Re- receive my Spirit in you because I will never leave you. Every time you breathe, you are reminded that I am here. Are you seeing it? I know, right? Holy cow, what are we talking about? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, now, you know, the, the whole idea of breathing and the exercises, uh, I stole some of this from Rob Bell, so if, if, if any of you guys have heard this before, I stole it from him. But he stole it from rabbis anyway, so it's not his. But spiritual breathing, this there's so many things in the natural that, can, that give us pictures of, of things in the supernatural, so many things in this world that connect to our relationship with God, and breathing is something that we're given All the way back in in, in the book of Genesis that's supposed to explain to us how we are to relate to God. So what I'm going to do is this. What I'm going to do is I'm going to take these stats I gave you about breathing, about natural breathing, and I'm going to apply them to spiritual breathing and see if we can learn anything from it. Here we go. Here's the first one. We were created to breathe God deeply every moment out of relationship with him. But yet most of us merely sip the minimum we need to survive. In the natural, right, we're supposed to be breathing so deeply that we access all of our strength and ability and potential. But most of you in this room breathe just enough not to die. Think about that. You're only breathing just enough not to die. Most of us were created to live in such intimate, powerful, real relationship with God, but we only sip enough of God just to survive as much of Him as we can just kind of cram into our lives. The very source of living. Again, in the same way, if you stopped breathing physically, you would cease to exist on this world. If you were to cease breathing spiritually, what would happen to you? Spiritually, you would shrivel up and die. Most of us in this room, including myself, sip just enough to survive of God. Each day we have thousands of moments, and, it, and in these moments we have a choice to enter each moment alone or to choose to enter each moment with God. Again, that understanding of breathing, just the very nature of being near to God, being with Him in all things at all times, and yet what's so crazy about this, and Some of the older mystics, if you would, um, in the faith, they understood it this way. They called it practicing the presence of God, learning to be aware of God in everything that they did. Brother Lawrence is is someone who wrote this book, I think in the 1500s, and basically he was learning how to be aware of God at all times. So whenever he had to wash dishes, he would practice just, just being aware, feeling, sensing, thinking, being present with God when he's doing the dishes, when he's, when he's eating, when he's walking to the, you know, the farm, when, when he, at all times he was learning to be present, to be aware of him. And if that's a little bit hard to think about, just think about, you know, a human, okay? If you think about your, your friend or your spouse, how hard is it to be present with him all the time? If I had my phone. Men, when your wife is talking to you, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, like, like what? what, three hours later you get caught? I told you to do in your, yeah, I, but the baseball game went to midnight last night and you just, <laughs> being present is something that is, is becoming increasingly difficult for us in the time we live in. There are so many things that, that are pulling us and drawing us and pushing us that just the very nature of this culture we live in is speeding up. And so to be present with anyone is to waste time on them. Think about that. If I put my phone down, if I ignore my emails, my texts, my social media, okay, if I'm fully present mentally, physically, emotionally, that means I can't be anywhere else. That means I have to value being with you more than I value being with anyone else in that moment. But yet, the very nature of being human is to learn to be present with God in all moments. Breathing Him in, breathing Him out. We should, we were were created to draw over 90% of our strength and energy from God. But most of us only draw maybe 10 to 20%. Physically, when you breathe through your chest, when you breathe shallowly, what that means is you're not drawing your energy from your core. And so what's happening is you're straining your back muscles, your, your, your chest, your shoulders. Your shoulders tense up. Again, we, we notice that when we all stood up, we're all tense. Okay? If you notice you come home and you're sore and you ache and all these different things just don't feel right, it's because all day long you're forcing your body to do something it was not created to do. Breathing in through your chest and out. Leads to spinal issues, to core issues, to, you know, displacement of muscles and pulling muscles. And, you know, I mean, it's crazy what happens to us when we divert from the way that we were created. And yet we go through life every day and we're full of heaviness and frustration and just disappointment because we're going through life in a way that we were never created to do. We're going through life on our own. We're to be living every moment that I am awake and alive in being. I am to be being in this world out of my relationship in intimate connection with God. And so all of my strength is to be pulled from my breath, all my relationship is to be pulled from my relationship with God. So the way that I handle my marriage and my children and my finances and my business and everything else is to come from this relationship with God. And if I'm not pulling from that, what am I pulling from? So now I begin to put extra weight and strain on my friendships, on my marriage, on my children, on my job. And so if my expectations don't get met, if I get let down by someone, if I get disappointed, what happens? all of my anger and frustration and all of my weight that's supposed to be on God, I'm now putting on everyone else in my life. I'm straining every relationship I have because I'm supposed to be pulling my strength from God. In the natural, because I'm supposed to be pulling my strength from my core and from my breathing, when I don't, I get injured and I hurt myself by straining other muscles that were never meant to do the job. Because you're not drawing from God, you are putting extra stress and strain on the other relationships in your life. Just pause on that for a moment, just think about that. All of the the difficulties you have in this life, and you put so much weight on your work and your paycheck and your marriage and your spouse and your friends and and your children and they suffer because of it, it all comes from the fact that we are not drawing from our relationship with God. And they will never meet the expectations that we need them to. They will never make up for the other 80% of our strength that we should be drawing from God. And so what happens is it's only a matter of time before they wear out, before we wear them out. And so when your back goes out of alignment and you get sidelined, it's because you are not drawing from the place that you were created to draw your strength from. And what's sad about this is most of us only realize that we are breathing shallowly during times of crisis, exhaustion, pain, or loss. The only times that you actually realize, and the only times I even realize how little I am pulling from my walk with God is when things fall apart. It's the only time I realize it. Because... It takes something like that. It takes something to get out of alignment. Something uh, impairing me. It, it takes something slowing me down, like an injury, for me to really be aware and to analyze, to be intentional with the way that I'm living my life. Now, when we learn to breathe deeply, when we learn to spiritually, if you would, to draw everything from being present with God there's some things that affect us. There's some reasons it's important. Here's the first one. When we learn to, to breathe deeply from our relationship with God, it seats us in the present. Here's what I mean by this. What it does, it causes us to be intentional. It forces us to slow down and to focus on God in the now. One of the crazy things, I was doing research last night on breathing and some, some, tech, some uh, special training if you want on breathing what they call it is the system of breathing appropriately what they call it is learning to draw from the well learning to draw from the well i was like now that'll preach right if i were like a pentecostal preacher i'd, I'd get going on that one would not but i think about the image there when we learn spiritually how to connect with god to be present with God at all times, we're learning to draw from the well that was put inside of us, right? Because the entire picture of what happens with the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit who used to dwell in other places, God Himself now is found where? Walking tabernacles, walking temples of God. We are the ones who, who now contain the Spirit of God inside of us. The well, if you would, the source of where you need to find your strength and all these other things you need is now found right where you can access it 24-7, learning to draw from the well. Secondly, this happens to us. When we learn to, to breathe deeply, it, it, it evaluates our health. Um, here's what happens. Uh, when you get injured, say if you threw your back out of alignment. One thing that automatically just jumps to you is all of a sudden breathing is very difficult. Okay? If you are sore or in pain or have any injury right now, you will find it if you go home, lay on your back, and do the practice that we just did. Breathe deeply from your stomach for five minutes. You will feel every hurt, pain, ache, all of a sudden, all the stuff that you didn't notice because you're so tense and you're so busy, you know, just getting by. When you take the time to breathe deeply, you will all of a sudden have this evaluation of your health. Anything that's out of alignment, you will notice it's, it's out of alignment. When we take the time spiritually to breathe deeply, to have a real direct relationship with the Spirit of God, it's impossible for us to slow down with the Holy Spirit and not, and not see the things that are going on inside of us. It's amazing how long you can go just kind of pushing things down, hiding from things. What happens, though, is when you begin to slow down with the Lord, you can't hide from things any longer. Here's what happens. When we begin to breathe deeply, it allows things to catch up with us. Breathing deeply allows hidden feelings, thoughts, and memories we have run from to catch up with us. I won't go into too much detail, but probably about 11 years ago, there's something that I kind of uh, kind of went through, and it really kind of brought up so many of my hurts and my insecurities and my fears, and since that day, about 11 years ago, I've noticed I'm not comfortable in silence anymore. I used to spend about an hour every day in prayer with the Lord, you know, just being quiet, and, you know, just trying to be present with the Lord, and I've noticed in myself since then, it's been 11 years now, I try to hide from silence as much as possible. I do not want things to slow down. If I slow down, if I stop moving, if I get still, all of a sudden all those thoughts and those feelings that I've been running from start to surface straight to the top. And so my choice is, either I stay in this moment, either I stop moving, and I choose to be present with God and to go through these feelings and thoughts with Him, or I choose to take off running without Him and to see how long I can hide from those things. If you have any kind of a frustration or an anger with God, if you, if you are disappointed with God, if you've been wounded or hurt, if there's a deep fear, if there's anything like that that you've been trying to hide from, you will avoid silence and darkness at all costs. You do not want to be alone with yourself. Even worse, to be alone with the Holy Spirit. Because the first thing he will do is he will begin to bring those things right to the surface. When we learn to breathe deeply with God, we cannot hide from things any longer. Because the moment that you begin to be still, all of a sudden you begin to gain a new perspective. One of the hardest things in pastoring for me is to make time for prayer. And I know that sounds just completely outrageous, right? And I shouldn't be telling you this at all, okay? I shouldn't tell you this at all. Yeah, One of the hardest things to do is to make time to pray, because there's always things to do. But what happens is almost every time that I make that time for prayer, all the things that I'm, how you put that, keeping off my to-do list, the things I really don't want to do, those things just start surfacing. Oh, God. When you choose to stop running, when you choose to be still and to learn to be present with the Lord, it is time to experience healing. But to experience healing, you have to be willing to go through the pain, and it will hurt. And that's one of the biggest reasons that most of us hurry through life is we're afraid of what's going to catch us if we slow down. And that's something that we do in everything, in work, in our relationships, we always want to keep moving and keep ourselves distracted and busy, because if we really stop, it's going it's to force us to analyze the things that are going on inside of us. And lastly, what happens, one of the importance for us to learn how to breathe deeply is it reminds us where our strength comes from. Again, when you slow down, you stop You will come face to face with your deep hurts, your insecurities, your fears, your desires, your dreams. And what happens is when you do that, you will realize you cannot deal with them on your own. Your spouse cannot fix them for you. Your job cannot fix them for you. Your hobby cannot fix them. Your children cannot fill that void. The only one who can is God. That's a scary thing. Because again, what happens? We realize we are not in control. We must put our trust in his hands. And again, this is one of the biggest reasons we do not slow down. One of the biggest reasons we find a way to to, to just breathe just enough of God just to survive. Just enough when we have to have Him just to make it. Because if we slow down, we're going to realize we have to trust Him. And we have to give over control. And most of us are not willing to do that. Starting with me. Now... You guys have your Bibles, go to John 14, John 14, verse 25. We're going to wrap it up here. John 14, verse 25. I'm going to read the Message Bible. Um, Eugene Peterson, he does a great job with this verse, and I just want to use this one. Here's what he says. He says, now I'm telling you these things while I'm still living with you. The friend, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send at my request, will make everything plain to you. He will remind you. Of all the things I have told you, I, I am leaving you well and whole. That's my parting gift to you, peace. I don't leave you the way you're used to being left, feeling abandoned, bereft. So don't be upset. Don't be distraught. If you notice, what happens here is, is Jesus is about to depart, and actually he's about to breathe the Holy Spirit onto his disciples. And he's telling them, he's saying to them, this... This person who's coming, first of all, he explains the relationship. Some of the, the words that, that, that you might have heard is, is counselor, teacher. Um, but really, in the end of it, it's a relationship, establishing friendship. This person who's coming, you're going to need to get to know him. Is it possible to have a friend and to not have a relationship? <laughs> One person, nope. Nope. You guys have some great friendships. Let me me just give. It's impossible to truly be a friend of someone without having a relationship, without investing time, without being present with them, without putting the phone down sometime and investing your attention, your energy, and yourself into them. And so the first thing we have to see here is that when Jesus establishes this new relationship for us, he tells us this is going to be a relationship. This is the breathing That is going to happen. Here's this person, this counselor, this friend, this teacher who's going to be with you every single minute. And he tells him, he says, I'm not leaving you alone. I'm leaving you whole, but I'm also leaving you a gift. Peace. The way that you will be able to have peace, the way that you will never be alone again, is if you embrace this relationship I'm sending your way. So the challenge for all of us this morning is this, it doesn't matter where we are, what's going on, the answer for where we are in this moment has already been given to us. It's not a prayer or a verse, it's a person. The Holy Spirit is a relationship that Jesus instructed us to foster, because in this relationship we would find peace and wholeness. In this relationship with the holy spirit we would constantly be present with him having allowing him to go through each moment with us breathing him in and breathing him out everything that we do comes out of this relationship with god would you guys stay with me this morning